You are now listening to The Harmonious Hustle, where we redefine what it means to be a woman on fire. I'm Nicole Sylvester, best-selling author and success coach for boss babes ready to make bold moves. In this podcast, we'll discuss all things purpose, pleasure, and profits. You should know, I am obsessed with sparking unrealistic upgrades in your life and business. It's my true intention to convince you to say, hell yes, to your wildest dreams. If you and I haven't connected yet, I would love to hear from you. Let's connect on Instagram. And while you're there, be sure to check out my free Money Energetics training series. Scope my page while you're there for other freebies and support. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. For the love of money, how does that make you feel? We're going to dive into this today with Chris Harder. Chris Harder is awesome, generous, he's successful, he brings people together to dream big and receive big. His motto, when good people make good money, they do great things. So I met Chris and his wife, Lori Harder, at Tony Robbins, and we didn't really connect really deeply there. If you've ever been to Tony Robbins, it's It's like a personal development rave. It's my favorite personal development rave. Um, We were sitting next to each other and, you know, you're hugging people next to you, you're high-fiving, you're dancing because that's what it's about. So later, I moved to the west side of LA and I start going to SoulCycle in Santa Monica. And what do you know, but we start taking the same class on Tuesdays. So I'm like, hey, do you guys remember me? And we start talking and a few weeks or months later, I was looking for a mastermind. I wanted to make more money, but I kind of felt guilty. I just didn't feel like I should be because I went from making 12,000 some dollars to $204,000 in one year. And that's crazy, right? Like I should be good here, I thought. So I wanted to put myself in a space where it's safe to play and ask for more and to just play with the infinite nature of you, me, the universe. So I joined the mastermind and I met so many amazing friends there. We're going to go into that. But guys, I just want to invite you right now to go and subscribe to Chris's show. Follow him on Instagram and let us know what you liked about today's episode. I really, really, really love hearing from you. I love hearing your shares. I love seeing them on Instagram. It just lights me up. So thank you for those of you that do and tag me. It means so much. Now, before we go into this, I just want to remind you that Boom Your Biz, my own five-day free business coaching challenge is happening in the Harmonious Hustle podcast community. The community is on Facebook, but the link for this is all over my social media. So go into my Instagram bio, go onto my Facebook. You can just straight up search the Harmonious Hustle podcast group and you'll find us in there. But this five-day challenge is to help you with your brand clarity, the beliefs you hold around your ideal clients and what they can afford. It's gonna help you with pricing your services, right? That's always a juicy topic, sometimes sensitive for people. We're going to talk about overall money mindset and your perception when you look out and create your business. We're going to talk about some things that are going to help you and it's not just here's a tip. It's going to have you looking at your entire energy and the way that you see life. So as always, if you do anything with me, we go beyond the basics. We go beyond the mindset. It's a full-on energetic, holistic experience because that's where we really thrive. 
So I will see you there right now. I just want you to enjoy this episode and let me know how it goes. So Chris Harder, I am so excited to have you on. Um, I invited you originally when you were what I had as an idea of my first people I would interview when I was getting the guts up to like interview people. I was like, well, I want to invite my mentors, people that I've actually invested in, people that I've asked to come into my life or business and help me. So you are one of them. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Your your shows come so far so quick. It's been really exciting to watch. So I'm super honored. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been really fun. And um, I have to say, I was inspired to start this podcast in your mastermind. Oh, remember that. You know what? People, here's what's really funny. Someone sent me a DM the other day and they said, oh, I'm so sorry for even bothering you with this, but there's a, a few complimentary things. Like this idea came from this and you helped me with this. And I said, never apologize for sending a DM like that or never apologize <laughs> yeah. because people love to hear about the difference they're making. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. So, I love that. I love hearing that stuff. I love that too. And it just goes to show how, I guess, like no matter what stage we're at, I feel like you and Lori like work your butts off and you guys are doing so much, but you're like, I still want to hear that. Like it still feels good. <laughs> it does. It, matter of fact, the, the busier it gets and the more you work, um, the more you need to hear those things that so you stay connected to why you're doing it as opposed to it just turning into a bunch of empty work. Yeah. I feel that. I, I love to see it too. It just reminds me on the days where it's like really hard or I'm just exhausted. And I'm like, what is, why am I doing this again? And then you hear those and you're like, this is why it all started. This is why we're doing it. So I want to just go right into this. Cause you know, a lot of people might not know who you are, but one thing for the love of money is like your, your brand, right? It's like your podcast. You have the mastermind. You have another mastermind now. What's it called? Is it still found Fast foundation. So it's more okay level stuff you have to learn. Okay, sweet. So for the love of money, I love that you just owned it. And that's why I ended up joining your mastermind too, is because you are about money and you say like, I remember the one thing you told me was there's nothing wrong with asking what's in it for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have this brand and you own it, but you're highly in service. You know, like you and Lori are doing good things and you help people. And like you said, you're in your DMs. I know that you're like that. So it's like, you're still so connected, but I love that you have this brand and you're just owning it. So I want to talk about for the love of money and like, what got you into like, let me just run out and just start with this brand. So it's a crazy story. People always ask me, you know, how'd you come up the name or, um, you know, how'd you come up the idea? All this stuff. I would love to have some amazing story. Like it was well thought out and it wasn't <laughs> this is what really yeah. happened. Um, I was sitting in a mastermind, ironically, and this was a few years back and I was totally drifting off. And I had, just to set the, the premise for you, I had no intention of doing a podcast. I had no intention of trying to find an idea of how I wanted to show up. I was in this mastermind with Lori to grow Lori's brand at the mm-hmm. time. So I'm sitting there, I'm starting to drift off because the presenter was not doing, let's say an A plus job of keeping my attention. And all of a sudden, without even seeking it, I don't know how else to say it. It's such a weird description, but like a bolt of lightning, it shot down through my head with this delivery of, hey, you're going to do a podcast. It's going to be a money mindset brand. It's going to make people unapologetic. It's going to be called For the Love of Money. And um, it's going to start as a podcast. You're going to do some coaching around it. And it's going to be really just supporting the premise of when good people make good money, they do great things. You're going to help them make good money so they can do great things. I'm telling you, like if somebody was able to just download that like a file, using super fast internet into my brain. That's how it showed up. And yeah. I know that that sounds ridiculous because I wasn't even seeking an idea. 
So much so that I, I leaned over and I wrote this all down on paper and I slid it over to Lori, like when you used to pass notes in school. And she looked at it, she didn't know what to make out of it because again, I wasn't seeking any ideas. So she didn't know how to reconcile. What the hell are you talking about, Chris? Like, this makes sense. <laughs> and when we got on break, I rushed, uh, you know, Lori and I went out on break and I, I said, babe, you're never gonna believe this. This idea just came to me. I've got the name, I've got the title, I'm gonna do this. And it was so out of left field because I've never talked about doing anything like this before. And um, she said, all right, well, go ahead. So I started Googling right away that day is for the love of money.com taken. And it was somebody was squatting on it and they wanted $25,000 for it. Wow. So I started negotiations and they weren't going well. And I spent one week reaching out to my most creative business minded friends saying, guys, here's the name that was downloaded to me. Here's the idea behind it. Could you please help me come up with another name, another title where I can buy a cheaper domain name and it'll be just as good. And Crazy enough, in one week of asking my most talented friends, I could not get a single other suggestion that was even close, not even close. So I knew I had to go with it. And I ended up negotiating it from 25 grand down to 18,000 for the domain name. And that I I pulled the trigger and and, and that became the beginning of it. Now, here's the crazy part. Nicole, you'd think that if I spent 18,000 bucks on a domain name, I would go full speed ahead and I would like make it happen because I got some skin in the game at that point. But no, the opposite was true. It sat there for almost a year on the back burner because I was, quote, busy. And here's Mm -hmm. the freaking thing about all of us. We're great at selling ourselves on things. And it really was truthful. I was productive and busy. Lori's brand was screaming. I'm the CFO for all of that stuff. Um, You know, we were launching new projects. I was still working pretty heavily with my network marketing team back then of 180,000 people. Um, You name it. Like, I was truly and significantly busy, but we'll always make whatever is important to us a priority. Mm-hmm. So clearly, this wasn't important enough to me. And Lori would always, for almost a year, her favorite joke was, remember that time you spent 18 grand on domain name? Until like, <laughs> <laughs> I got into a new mastermind and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've got this idea. And long story short, they said, you're doing it before we meet again. And we set the date and we set what hurdles had to be hit and by what dates and they held me accountable. And that's how it came into existence today. I love that. When did you start? I don't even know. I think we're coming up on two years now. Wow. It's had a lot of, like so much has happened. Oh wait, your sound is. Oh wait. All right. Um, two years. I feel like so much has happened <laughs> in two years. Cause I, I met you in, what was it? It was March. I think it was like two years ago. Well, are you, t- are you counting Tony Robbins? Yeah, I'm counting Tony Robbins because it's coming up on another. Years ago. Oh, was it? Oh my God. I don't even know when it was. <laughs> yeah. That was so, three years ago. And here's how I know. Um, Evans, our, this again seems so random. <laughs> uh, one of our assistants, you know, Evans, um, yeah. he's been with us about two years. And uh, prior to that, it was another one. I'll, I'll leave her nameless. But we went to Tony Robbins and we brought that assistant. We brought our whole team. And oh, she gotcha. That she decided she didn't want to work for us and she wanted to go do her own thing. So awesome. Like, you know, thumbs yeah. up, clapping for her that she was so empowered at Tony Robbins that she went and did her own thing. But that's how I know that that's the timeline. It was three years gotcha. ago. <laughs> so that just shows like how much can happen in such a short period of time. Because I think if someone just like plugged in, like after this podcast, they go follow you on Instagram, which by the way, you guys should go do that right now. If 
they go and do that. They'll look at your brand. They're like, holy crap, like you have so much happening. And I've been, I watch your stories and like, I feel like you're just like, just output, like output, helping people doing all these things. So it's like, you just turn that on. And I want to talk about something that was, I found inspiring. It was a while ago on your podcast. And this is how like Chris is like walking his talk guys, because I don't know who does this, but you talk about when you read 30 books in 30 days mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and how you were, you were just like, well, I didn't know. I wanted to like grow towards Lori. I guess Lori was in a lot of growth. Talk about that and share that with us. Yeah. So it will be ironically this weekend coming up four years wow. since I've 30 books in 30 days. And the place it started was Lori was on a total rocket ship. She was doing all the right things to be great. And we had a really good life. And you know the phrase, good is the enemy of great. Well, yeah. it really is. Like when things are good, there are not the pain points that cause you to take the action it requires to get to great. Yeah. And so our relationship was good. Our finances were good. Business was good. Everything was good. So I was just kind of coasting my way through good. And Lori though, Lori had huge dreams. Her pain points were that she had these massive dreams and she was nowhere near them yet. So she was doing everything it took to be great. And I remember I was always wondering like, what's wrong with our life? How it is now? Like, why does everything have to be so extraordinary and grand? Like, why, why isn't it okay just being really good? And mm -hmm. I was sitting across from her at dinner one time and it was just her and I were on a date and she was telling me all about her day. She met these new people and it was so exciting. And they were going to do this project. And it was so exciting. And then it was going to lead to this. And it was so exciting. And I remember sitting across from her at dinner thinking, oh, here we go again. Why does everything have to be so damn exciting? Wow. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized, holy shit, dude, what is your problem? That somebody you love is excited and you're sitting here resentful of it. So obviously it was mm -hmm. triggering something in me. And that's when I realized something needed to be done because if we stayed on that trajectory, she would have been in her rocket ship way up here and I would have been way down here in you know, the land of good or good enough. And that gap would have been too far for us to have a, a good relationship whatsoever. So I knew I had to seek something out. And I was surfing Instagram of all places because that's what you do when things are just good. And <laughs> yeah. I came across this guy. I did not know who he was then. Of course, I know who he is now. I know him pretty well. And he's a really successful entrepreneur and he's, this video is famous. He's in his garage and he's doing this selfie video and it says, you know, Hey, here's my Lamborghini and here's my Ferrari. But you know what I really love in here is all these books. And he pans to the walls of his garage and it's lined with bookshelves full of books. And he goes on to talk about how he reads a book a day, every single day. And I thought, Whoa, this guy's got a great life. And if he can, of course it's Ty Lopez, right? And he, and uh, I think, wow, this guy's got a great life. And, and if he can read a book a day every single day and still be this successful, then what's my excuse? Why aren't I reading? And this idea started to stew in me to read a book a day. And I thought, well, okay, I'm not really committed to doing it the rest of my life, but imagine what would happen if I did it for 30 days. So here I am seeking something to radically up-level me. And this idea starts to grow in me, read 30 books in 30 days. And in less than a week's time, I knew I had to do it. And I went to Lori and I remember being kind of afraid to bring this up because it felt like such a weird thing. So I wasn't reading just for context. I hadn't finished a book in my adult life prior to this. Think wow. about not since school. Wow. So, That's a big goal to set out for. Yeah. <laughs> radical. It's not like I was already a good reader or something. Yeah. Matter of fact, I was the guy that would read the same page over and over and over again. And for some reason, I couldn't capture what was on the page. So, so many people say that that's their problem with reading. It's a real thing. Yeah. So 
told Lori, I'm like, babe, you're going to think I'm weird, but I'm going to read 30 books in 30 days. And here's the reasons why I need to do it. And I remember she was, I thought that she'd think I was crazy, but instead I saw this look of relief kind of come over her face and she never said anything, not during this entire time. Did she ever say anything like you need to do this or you need to do that or you need to catch up or anything. But I remember this look of relief that came over her face and she was fully supportive of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I set out to clear my schedule that very next month and read 30 books in 30 days. And it was one of the, the best up-leveling turning points of my life by far. That's amazing. The discipline it takes. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> doing well, that. So you talk about the discipline of it. I knew myself so well that I knew I would get 10 days or maybe two weeks in of reading a book every day. And I would say to myself, hey, man, great job. This is more than you've ever done before. You've learned some lessons. Way to go. You're done. And I would have let myself off the hook. So what I did was I told the whole world. I told you know, Facebook at the time. I, Instagram was like barely starting. And so I told Facebook and I told Instagram, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a book a day for 30 days. Hold me accountable. And to hold me accountable, I needed some like pain, some skin in the game. Yeah. As for these 30 days, every single penny or dollar that you donate to Make-A-Wish Foundation, we will match. Because I knew that if I was taking other people's money in the name of, you know, like when people say, I'll run a marathon and collect money out, in the name of this 30 books in 30 days challenge, that I would hold, I would keep going because I couldn't, I didn't have it in me to take their money and to not keep going. Yeah. So I had to come up with something radical like that in order to make me keep going in day 15 and day 20 and day 25. And sure enough, that is what kept me going. That and a lot of support from Lori and, and my friends. And um, we ended up raising $15,000 for Make-A-Wish in that 30 days. Oh my God. You had all that shift. It probably realized so much about yourself and just about life, raised all the money. And I love that, just the power of a, of a really radical yes <laughs> and what that does. It does. It's, it, and you know what I learned? So many things during that time, but I learned it was way easier than I thought it would be. At first, it was physically exhausting. Matter of fact, day three is like, oh, great. Of course, I'd get the flu when I set out to do something like this. I, I'm like, I got achy shoulders and achy arms, achy muscles. My eyes are kind of tired and I can't keep them open. And then I realized, so I went to read my book that day on, on day three or four. And I got into position. I held my arms out. I opened up the book and I realized, oh, my God, you don't have the flu. You have the achy muscles and your eyes are messed up because of you <laughs> position this whole time. And you're not used to it. So I had to learn like different physical ways to learn. I'd lay on my back and hold it up. I'd prop the book up and I'd stand. Like I had to come up with all these different ways to read 30 books in 30 days uh, physically. And yeah. um, I thought finding the time to do it would be tough. That was the easiest part. I realized how much time I was wasting. And boy, had you asked me before that, I would have said I wasn't wasting any time, but I had more than enough time to knock, knock that out. Holy crap. And guys, if you caught that, he's actually physically reading, not just listening to Audible. Yeah. <laughs> like, physically reading. Physically reading. So that being said, because I know people are probably curious, what would you say are top like two books you would recommend to any someone that wants to live a really big life? There's way too many to recommend. Uh, there's one called uh, Tuesdays with Maury. And oh, for yeah. those of you that are already on your path, for those of you that are already successful, this is a book I go back to and I read. It's an easy read every single March uh, to kind of mark this anniversary. Ironically, it was book number one of the 30 days, but it is such a good book because it reminds you of what's important when you get caught up in life and everything else. It's a true mm -hmm. story. It's really cool. So Tuesdays with Maury is a must read. It's a game changer. 
Um, another one of my favorites in there was uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Another one was um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, I, I mean, they go on and on. Yeah, oh, another that, one yeah. was The Go-Giver. It was so good. Yeah, that's so awesome. You know, coming back to like, that was four years ago. Two years ago, you started your podcast. And now it's like you are spending time with some of the biggest, like influencers, but people really making a big impact beyond, you know, being a social media influencer, people that are doing really big stuff, making big moves. You guys are always just like expanding and growing and doing big things. Let's talk about what, like talking about the big leap. I just referred that to a client today. Do you still feel those things? And in the big leap, it talks about that we can get physically sick and we have this, you know, these subconscious patterns that kind of keep us small and stuck. Do you still come up against that? Like, what's that like at this stage? Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody ever stops coming up against these upper limiting beliefs that they refer to in there. Um, but I think that you get better at recognizing them. Yeah. And I think you get better at immediately reframing them and having the tools to get around them. So let's use an example. Judgment used to be a really big thing for me. Oh, my God, was I a judger. Like, in the worst of ways. And you want to know the worst thing about judging people all the time is when you hold other people to such a high ridiculous standard and you're constantly judging them, then you think by default, they must be doing the same to you. So yeah. it makes you wildly insecure. So it becomes a self-perpetuating circle of just shit, right? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to release judgment and something happened in, in a Costa Rica trip once where it totally caused me to have a radical shift and release judgment from that moment on. Now, does this mean that I don't judge people anymore? No, not at all. It still pops up. Yeah. But what it means is now I catch it and I reframe it and I have the tools to immediately put it into perspective and do the right thing. So uh, I live you know, in LA here. There's lots of interesting characters to, to see on a daily basis. Let's say I see an interesting character that is dressed so absurdly nuts, like everybody's looking, pointing and taking secret pictures. My judgment in the past might have been something like, oh my God, you're ridiculous. Why did you leave the house like that? Now, if the judgment comes up, which it still does, like, oh, look at this person. They look ridiculous. I'll immediately catch it, reframe it to, oh my God, I love this person because they add to the eclecticness of LA and it's why I love living here, right? So that. it's just a matter of catching it, reframing it and having the tools to uh, make sure it turns into a positive. I love that. Does that judgment less, I mean, in judgment, I mean, the human mind is designed to like judge, measure, compare, you know, it's what it does, but we can use that in a destructive way when it comes to setting big goals and stepping out in big ways. I know I have plenty of those experiences. When you started releasing judgment or whatever that breakthrough experience was, did you feel like the whole imposter syndrome part of not, um, you know, not sabotaging or not having that fear in your mind? Did that kind of fall away more? What do you, what do you have to say Absolutely. about that? What happens is your, your confidence goes through the roof once you make this a habit. So it doesn't happen yeah. overnight. Like anything, yeah. else, you have to work that muscle, make it a habit and, and make it a way of life. But once you do, your confidence goes through the roof. Um, your imposter syndrome is easier to manage. It never goes away. Here's, if there's one message, by the way, if anyone's catching a common thread, none of this shit goes away. It is <laughs> so much easier to manage. I really believe that. You know, yeah. I'm sure some psychologists can come on here and disagree and make a great argument. Um, but my theory is none of this shit ever, ever, ever goes away. It just becomes significantly reduced and you become significantly better at catching it, reframing it, and having the tools to 
manage it into a positive. So to your question, um, imposter syndrome still totally shows up all the time. And I just do a much better job of catching it, reframing it, and having the tools to put it into perspective, you know, reflecting on all of the reasons why I do have the right to lead this person or give advice to this person or charge this person for this program or whatever it may be when it's popping up. Right. I love that because I feel like so many people that listen, I mean, I think it's part of anything stepping up into new territory where you haven't been yet. There's that kickback mentally, emotionally. So I just wanted to ask you that. It happens. The subject of imposter syndrome, it's it's weird because to succeed in life, you're taught to always and continually up-level your tribe, which is, by the way, a game changer. You have to do that. But what comes along with that is you go from making, let's say, 100 grand a year to hanging out with people making a million, so you don't feel like you're enough. Then you're hanging out with them, you make a million, and you up-level your tribe, and you start hanging out with people making 10 million, and what happens is you don't feel like you're enough. And then you make 10 million, you start hanging around people that are you know, 100 millionaires, and you start feeling like you are not enough. So the great irony is the very tool that continues to help you grow rapidly and, and create up-level growth for you is the very one that causes imposter syndrome, you know, because yeah. you're finding these new levels and you see them and you feel them, you touch them and they're tangible. And by the way, I'm just using money because it's such an easy ladder of measurement. This yeah. goes like for you, it, you, I don't mean you, Nicole, I mean you, the listener, it might be your level of fitness. You know, you might go from 20 pounds overweight. So I started hanging around people with more fit habits. Yeah. And got down to right at my goal weight. But then I started hanging around people at, you know, CrossFit at the gym that had six packs. So then I finally got a six pack. And then I started hanging around people that were setting these, you know, CrossFit records. And I didn't feel like I was enough because I didn't have functional strength. So then I started doing, you know, no matter what the the trigger is, the subject is that you're trying to improve, you got to hang around people who are doing better than you to get there. But then that's going to cause imposter syndrome that you have to learn to manage. Yeah. And I love that. Like for me, it was like my past, like, oh, I'm a single mom or I've had this messy past. Like, why do I deserve to have all of this money or have these kinds of friends or speak at that kind of event? And it was finally just like, I'm not going to be the person that keeps me back from these things. (laughs) But it's a constant, like, you know, conversation internally. It totally is for every, by the way, when you start to have honest, open, deep conversations in your friendships, you realize all your friends are having the same conversations. And when you level your friendships, you know, the person that used to be um, somebody that you do anything just to meet and now they become a friend, you realize, oh my God, you have all the same conversations as me, maybe different subjects, but the same types of internal conversations of bullshit that people are dealing with. So nobody (laughs) is walking around like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. We're all super mushy on the inside. Yeah, I love that. And I love that honesty that I say that that's what one thing I love about you and Lori is that, I mean, Lori just shows up and like her authentic shares all her herself in her things. And that's what I really appreciate that. But it's because that's the real stuff. And it feels nice to see that people that are like, you know, that are winning in all these ways, like, okay, they're still dealing with these these fears or this funky feeling. And, but you know what? They're showing up anyway. <laughs> and that's the thing. Always. It's crazy. Yeah. Lori's going to kill me for this, but <laughs> um, Hi, Lori. We're, in the, we're in the bathroom <laughs> ready for the day. And she's got her bliss project coming up this weekend. She's like, Oh, she's like, she's trying on outfit for bliss project. She's like, I, I just don't feel like I'm in as good a shape as the other year. Right. These are all things that we battle with. Yeah. And 
like, what are you talking about? I, I hear that every single year for the last X number of years. You say the same thing. And then you look back on the pictures and you say, oh, I remember when I looked like this. I'm like, it is the same false story that you tell yourself every year coming up on Blue's yeah. Project. You look back on the pictures and then you love how they look while you're telling yourself the same story two years later. Yeah. So um, we all have these things that we're constantly working on. And then we look back on them and they're nowhere near what we thought they were in the moment. Yeah. And you know what? When we're all 70 and we look back, we're going to think, wow, we were so hot then. <laughs> like, so so funny. We always do this crap. <laughs> like we may as well just deal with it and own it. So going back to the whole, for the love of money, because I have to tell you that when I talk about my podcast, when we talk about money and environment and wealth consciousness, they're the most popular ones. People freaking love it. And that's because so many people have fears and struggles around money. That being said, when you came out and said, I'm launching this brand for the love of money, did you get kicked back? Like, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I still get it. Um, really? Here's what's really interesting. I knew that launching this brand called for the love of money was going to trigger a lot of people. And that's part of what I liked about it. I'm like, yeah. hey, look, you're going to come out with a message. It might as well be one that triggers people. So you can create some change, create some opportunity. But I do know for a fact, it hurts my download numbers and it hurts my chance to get some certain guests on. And it hurts, um, you know, maybe a couple of introductions that I might be getting when somebody introduces me, oh, the founder for love, because people have their preconceived notions about it being okay or not to pursue massive amounts of wealth and to talk about it out loud and to even be borderline brash about your accomplishments and, and open about your accomplishments. And so I know that it creates these challenges, but for every challenge that it creates, it creates opportunity for somebody else that wouldn't have noticed it or wouldn't have been triggered or wouldn't have been interested and then wouldn't have had the growth. So you got to yeah. take good with the bad when you come out with something triggering, no matter what your, your message is. I love that. And also I, I had no idea that it would get in the way of people that would let you on their show or like to me, it's an attractive thing, but I also understand that people have this thing with money where they don't, there's always a, but like, well, I do want more money, but I do want to do this, but there's this guilt around just owning it. And I always tell people, I love money. I want more money and there's nothing. <laughs> that. Like, so that's what I like about your brand. It's uh, here's why I do inherently believe that when good people make good money, they do great things. And so if people would stop having this, this uh, inappropriate relationship with money, this, this lie around money that they don't want more of it, if they could switch that story to they are more than grateful to receive mass amounts of it, knowing that once they have it, they're going to leverage this tool to make one hell of a difference in whatever they care about. If you care about single moms, you get to make a big impact with a ton of money. If you are living paycheck to paycheck, you can maybe help a mom once in a great while. Yeah. But what you can do if you have an extra 100 grand or an extra 500 grand or an extra million to put towards helping single moms or whatever your cause might be. Yeah. So I, I'm telling you, people would just, it's funny in this world that people would rather tell me about their secret sex life than they would talk to me about their finances out loud. That's the world yeah. we live in right now. That's how taboo it is. And that's my mission is let's talk about this thing out loud and, and let's, let's normalize it. So thinking about like, what are some of the coolest things that brought you the greatest joy that you've done with money? 
Oh, I love this. Um, Not family related. I guess it could be family, but I, I just love the like, I think it's so much more abundant when you can just give to total strangers with non-attachment. Yeah, it totally is. I'll tell you one of my favorite things is creating jobs. So I feel like one of the biggest privileges in the world is to create a good job that somebody loves. And every two weeks on payday, when we um, give each person their check, we say, thanks for what you do. Like yeah. physically hand it to them instead of direct deposit. And I say, thanks for what you do. Because being able to create jobs and pay people money is one of my all-time favorite forms of giving. Um, my other, one of my other favorite things to do is surprise giving. There is nothing like being able to give a significant amount of money to somebody who's totally unexpecting it, whether they're on the street, whether they are checking out somewhere, um, or more importantly, when they have some kind of goal and it's holding them back and you're able to say, ah, you know what, here, I'll pay for that. That thing feels really, really good. It's the best. And it's, by the way, it's partially selfish because it's a dopamine hit. Yeah. Very much a dopamine hit to be able to solve someone's problem. I'm just going to, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Your enjoyment from, then so be it. Like judge away if you're going to judge me for, for that being my thing, that being my dopamine hit, because there could be a lot worse things that are (laughs) drug of choice. I was going to say like for the listeners, like take a moment and really soak that in, like close your eyes and soak that in. Imagine giving to someone in that way. It feels freaking good. Like just hearing you. Also, if you guys, did you watch the Drake video, God's plan? No, I missed it. Oh my God. Look it up. He gives away so much. He had like a million dollar budget. It was like, it was like around a million dollar budget. And he, what he did is went around, I think he was in Miami and he gave away a ton of money, like walked into a grocery store, closed it down and said, everyone's getting everything for free. I was crying when I first watched it. Like I chills out. He was walking up on the street, giving like stacks of money to people. And I was just like, that is the best. That's <laughs> I love Drake. <laughs> Absolutely the best to be able to do that and make a difference in people's day. You know, everybody can, they've got their ways to improve upon each other's days. And this is one of the ways that people need the most. That is to catch a financial break once in a while. Um, there was somebody recently who their bills were just stacked against them. And I know for a fact that they lead a very humble, responsible life. They weren't out buying fancy bags or fancy shoes or fancy clothes. They didn't have big car payments. Matter of fact, at the time, they had no car payments. Um, they, didn't, they didn't have anything. He worked two jobs. She ran a daycare at home. Um, they were being as responsible as they could be, except they were just never really taught the, the ways to make extra money, the ways to get ahead. You know, not all of us yeah. are born on third base, right? And mm-hmm. I used to be someone who would judge people like this saying, you could make better choices. You could, you know, have the desire to learn how to get, make your situation better. But now I see it and I'm like, wow, you know, he's working two jobs. They have three kids. She's working at home, doing the at-home daycare thing. They don't have a single nice, fancy thing in their life. Mm. Sometimes it's not about try harder or do better. Sometimes it's about somebody just giving you a freaking break. And so I'd gotten to know them well enough where I was able to breach the conversation of, you know, what's your biggest hurdle? Like what's holding you back the most right now? And one car had died and they were down to their last car and, and all the, you know, like you name it. And I was able to say, you know what, I'll tell you what. I will pay off those bills because, oh my God, it was like $5,600 worth of bills that they thought were insurmountable. 
that they were yeah. paying. It feels like that at times for people. a month, eight thirty a month, or something like that. On right, so we're talking yeah. something I might make in a minute, and it was the biggest mountain in the world to them. And then they needed a down payment for a car after paying off those bills, and they'd never indicated or asked. I, I poked around. I was nosy about this. Mm. So I was able to, in in about eleven thousand six hundred dollars uh, worth of here, let me help you out. I was able to radically change from their perception, their financial future and their, their current situation. So I'll, I'll never notice. I'll never miss that 11,600 bucks. But yeah. to them, they never in their lifetime were able to picture where that would come from. And that was like three weeks ago, something like that. Oh my gosh. I love that story. And I love that you just acknowledged all of that because yes, there's a lot of people in the just, just make more money. Like it's your, we're infinite. You can do this. You can do that. We have to be in that. I, I wasn't in that space and now I'm more in that space than ever. But one place, um, you know, I was just three years ago, I was literally about to be homeless. And one of my friends had to spot me 6,500. If he didn't, I don't know what would have happened, but you know what? That allowed me to grow my business. And I thanked him in my book and he actually ended up, he, he had passed on now he's transitioned, but I mean, it's like, I don't know who I would be or what I would be, but because of these people that like just seemingly like angels <laughs> that sometimes come through, yeah. I always look for like ways I can help people and give back. And like, I, it's just, we can change people's lives by just doing these things. It's true. Matter of fact, I paid him back by the way. But, ever, of course, of course you did. Like you yeah. it now, um, if you ever want to test yourself to see, you know, we all walk around, like we've got the financial answers for everybody and we know what moves we would make and, and, you know, we're walking around like we're living this abundant life and we've got it figured out. You ever want to test yourself? Figure out what you do every time that you see a panhandler, somebody asking mm. for money at the corner. Do you judge them in your mind and tell them to get a job? Do you roll up the window? Do you not make eye contact with them? Do you think they could be working at McDonald's? Why aren't they at Mc working at McDonald's? Do you, do you think those things? Because by the way, those are all the things I used to think. Mm. All the things I used to think. Or do you grab all the money that's in your pocket whether it's 10 bucks or a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks and reach out and hand it to them without judgment, without expectation. Even if they're going to spend it on alcohol, you don't know who cares what they're going to spend it on. That is the real test of, are you abundant or not? Are you able to give to somebody who is in a worse situation than you are without judgment? Or do you only give conditionally if they're doing the things or spending it, how you want them to do mm. it or want to spend it? Because let me tell you something. You're walking around like you're abundant and, and you're successful and you have this and you have that and you got it figured out and you're not able to give without expectations. It's just like unconditional love. It's unconditional giving. Then you're not there yet. Yeah. I, I love that. And also what was the shift for you then? What went from that place of looking at people that don't have to the place of like, I, I have more, there's more where this came from. I'll give. Good question. Um, my entire life I've been generous. So even all the way back in um, middle school or high school, I would be the one that would like grab the tab for my friends. That's back when you have no money, right? And I think this came from my parents did a great job of always explaining, hey kids, you know, help me figure out the tip. Here's why we're leaving a bigger tip than normal. Here's the story behind it. Um, hey kids, put the money in the offering plate at church. Here's why we're giving more than normal. You know, here's the why behind it. Um, holidays, Christmas, we would go around and, and adopt 
all these families and buy all the gifts and wrap them all and deliver them all. It was all of those things that my parents did to me, giving and, and generosity, super normal. Like it yeah. just part of our DNA in the household. And um, so it was already planted in me, number one. But there was also this other super pompous, arrogant side where it said, if I'm working really hard to be successful, why can't this person? And I would judge and I would judge and I judge. So actually, I do know when the shift is now that you're making me kind of work this out loud. <laughs> yeah. Right along with that shift in Costa Rica where I stopped judging people for other random things, I also stopped judging people for and holding them to my expectations of, of output. Yeah. So, you know, giving up judging means giving up judging in all ways. Yeah. Just in some ways that are easy to give up. And so I can, I'll see a, a homeless person now and, and I don't think any negative thoughts like I used to think all the time about these people. Yeah. And uh, that's just, you know, one of many examples where it kind of manifests in a different way now. I love that. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. I love that you bring that up because we can talk about abundance and money is just energy and we can speak these things and intellectually be there, but like in the heart, like, what are you feeling? Because that state of being is what's creating our true abundance and people feel it. Your clients will feel it. Your podcast listeners will feel it. Like people feel that if you're open or not. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. It's, you know, we're always, no one's perfect. You're always working on, get, on getting better. You're always working on that next level. But there's these certain indicators of progress. And, and that's one of them. If you can give with no strings attached, no expectations attached, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this loan, but I expect you to make the right decisions, that kind of thing. Yeah. If you can do that. Um, that's when you've reached an entirely different level of abundance that you should be striving to get to. I love that. With no, everything. One, no. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, sorry, that was so random, but I was like, oh, I got another one. No, so, I love it. It's just like feel good stuff. So I'm well, all for it. I have this theory on tipping that tipping says more about you than it does about the service you just got. And I know this is counterintuitive to what most of America thinks, but hear me out. When you tip or don't tip somebody, then you're really just using money as a tool of reward or punishment. So if you're using money to punish sometimes, how do you think you're going to view your relationship with money? as something that other people are punishing you with when you don't get your way. And so you're going to have a yeah. negative relationship with money many, many times in your life. And that's not going to help you with your abundance whatsoever. So Lori and I, whether we get good service or bad service, we are over tippers. And it's because instead of using money when somebody does a bad job of serving you at a restaurant, instead of using money as a tool to show your anger or a tool of punishment, Use it as a tool to change the day for them and for everybody else that they come into contact with. Imagine the ripple effect there. So if, yeah. Nicole, if you're my server and you do the super shitty job, you get my meal wrong and it's late and it's cold and you're even a little bit short with me and you're a little bit crabby, that's where everybody's like, oh, I'm not tipping you. Lori yeah. and I believe a larger than average tip for that individual because we don't know what happened right before they got to work. We don't yeah. know what components of that bad experience were they're doing or the kitchen's doing or their bad manager's doing or who knows what. We don't know the backstory. And when you can shock somebody like that, because these people know they're getting a bad tip. When you can shock somebody like that and give them a really good tip, they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And it cheers them up and now they treat the next customer better and that next customer treats the next person that they meet better and so on and so on. 
that is your chance to create a major shift using money as a positive tool in this world. Something as simple as over tipping, whether it's good or bad service. I love that. And I was actually thinking of that earlier when I asked you the question, because isn't it the podcast that you and Lori did together where you were calling Lori big tips because she started yeah, she tipping herself that she, called oh, she was calling herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, there is this shift and this is for people. I, this was crazy because when I first moved to like West LA, um, not even West LA, I was like in Baldwin Hills. I moved out of Glendale and started moving towards. And I remember when they started first doing the thing where you could tip people on your credit card for things like coffee. I got so frustrated because I was like, I barely had money. My bank account was always dipping into the red. And I was just like, now people want a tip for money now or for a coffee. And now I get upset with people when they like, when they're ringing me up and they, they skip past the tip part on the card thing. I'm like, you just missed money. Cause I tip everybody on everything. <laughs> so, yes. That's because now yeah. you're programmed to, to be somebody who rewards people with this tool instead of punishes them. But just circulating. I know that I make more money than most people. I know what it's like to be working in a job where you are like barely making ends meet. And I just made an agreement with myself that I'm going to circulate. So it was just, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it goes back to the same theory as withholding love. I don't know if you ever talked about this on the show or not, but people yeah. that withhold love from another person just to get back at them or to punish them, you're really just withholding the love from yourself, right? You're, you're missing a chance to exchange love, which is the best feeling on a planet. Well, yeah. it's the same thing with, with tipping or with exchanging money. If you withhold abundance, you're really just kind of screwing yourself because you're yeah. not getting the dopamine hit of being a giver. You're not putting it out in the system that's going to pay you back tenfold. Like you're just really just hurting yourself. Yeah. So what about at a restaurant then? Because I'm just curious because this is, I'm just curious to see what you guys do. If they totally do mess up your food beyond tip, like what do you do? Do you feel bad asking for? Oh, yeah. We don't feel bad. Like I'll make yeah. them right if I don't want to eat yeah. in front of me. But We'll be super polite. We'll be super nice. Um, and we'll leave them a really good tip because it's our yeah. chance in one small interaction. It's our chance to change their day for sure. Maybe their week, maybe their month, maybe their year. Who knows how far this thing goes and maybe their life. And if not right. them, maybe this is our chance to change the day, the week, the month, the year, the life of the next customer that they come in contact with. Everything you do has a ripple effect, period. You can't right. walk around in life denying that. Absolutely. It's like the butterfly effect. And one thing I want to share for anyone that's listening, you're like, well, okay, Nicole, well, I don't make that money that you make now. And I definitely don't make the money Chris is making, you know, gifting and all these things. Here's the deal. I had to actually shift this belief when I didn't have it. <laughs> so that's how I got more. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Tony Robbins is famous for saying, if you don't give a dollar out of a hundred, you're never going to give, you know, what is it? 10,000 out of a million. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. You exercise your giving muscle early on. It's not like it shows up once you have X number of dollars. Because I'll tell you what, you never really feel, without the act of giving and practicing abundance, you never really feel radically abundant no matter what level you get to. I know this is going to sound crazy to people because it would have sounded crazy to me in the past, to be very honest. But when you're really broke and you're like, oh, I would feel so good if I had a $10,000 cushion and you don't think you'll ever have that. And then you have a $10,000 cushion and you realize, well, I would really feel good if I had a $100,000 cushion and you get that. And then you realize, well, I'd feel really good if, if I knew there's always this, this million dollars over here to, to save the day in case life ever changed. And then you get that and you realize, wow, that's not going to sustain me in life for the things I want to do. So 
I'll feel really good if I could amass 10 million. Like you never truly feel radically abundant because you keep moving the finish line because every single human being will always get used to whatever amount of money they make and whatever amount of money they have. Yeah. That's why we reward our employees, our team, not with raises and bonuses all the time. They get good raises and bonuses, but we reward them with cool trips, cool things that we know that they want or that they like, cool experiences. Because if you give somebody a 10% raise, they'll just adjust their lifestyle a little bit and no longer will it feel like a 10% raise. So the significance of it is gone. Yeah. But if somebody, um, a house cleaner that shows up every week for them, they'll always appreciate that. Or if you give somebody a trip with their significant other, um, they'll always appreciate that. So there's other ways to reward people because people just get used to the feeling of whatever amount of money they have, no matter how big it gets. What's your language of love? Is it gifts or? No, not at all. Um, I am touch. So the way I like to receive is touch. Um, and Lori is, she likes to receive words of affirmation. That's what I am. But I was just curious because you are, I see you guys always acknowledging your team and you're great at that. So that's why I was just wondering, but you also were talking about these amazing gifts. I'm like, yeah, if someone's sending me house, my house cleaner was just taking care of and they thought of that. I'm like, great work on the gift giving. I love giving gifts. So, yeah. you know, I've realized, um, I feel like there's two love languages. I feel like there's the one that you enjoy receiving and there's the one you enjoy giving. Yeah, yeah. that could be true. Oh, oh, confession. I've never sat down to read the book. I just know what the love languages are. Me too. I know what they are. I, don't, I did the test. <laughs> Maybe this is already in the book. Who knows? But I'll, I, it's my theory that I, almost everyone I've had this conversation with, I've realized they like to receive in one way and they like to give in a different way. Yeah. I, I love like hearing the acknowledgements, but I, I love gifts. But I also, if you, I think if you're a giver and it just feels good to give, like, so I think giving gifts feels good for anyone that's connected to really, because that's our love. And anytime we're able to share a token or a symbol of our love, that's our abundance. That's our circulation. Yep. So, so it feels good. One thing I want to talk about, because I don't want to keep you for too long, but, you know, network marketing, you know, people are saying different things. The other day I was talking to someone, so I'm actually shopping around and testing some things out because I'm a big believer in multiple streams of income and I want to grow my wealth in that way. Um, and you have had a successful business, you and Lori with your company. Um, just, I know some people have so much fear and this is like another abundance thing that bothers me where people are like, Oh my God, I, I tried this network marketing. I don't like it. And I'm like, what did you try? You invested $300. It didn't work out. So what? Try another one. <laughs> like, you know, like, and by the way, you ate the $300 worth of food. Yeah. Yeah. You- yeah. Like there's no, like, it's not that big of a trauma, but I just want to talk about that because did you guys try different brands or were you like, I want to grow an empire? Or was it something you just kind of tried out? Like, what was that like getting started? Awesome question about such a touchy um, industry. So we have had a network marketing team for probably coming up on, I got to look back, see if it's nine years or 10 years, Uh, nine, nine years. Okay. Okay. And it's a massive team that we're able to grow that pays us a significant amount of money as one of our income sources. But when I started out in it, not only was I not seeking it, I was so anti-network marketing, like maybe the worst of all the naysayers out there. I was wow. arrogant. I was in corporate America. I had big titles. I thought it was for losers. I thought it was for desperate people. <laughs> for, I thought it was a pyramid scheme. I, I thought all the things, right? Yeah. And so much so that 
we started using the products, not because we ever wanted to be in the industry, but because a good, good friend of ours was having such incredible results that we just wanted to have good results. Like we couldn't deny it. So we started using the products. We used them and loved them and got into the best shape of our lives uh, over the course of the next year while lying about it every single time people would ask us what we were doing differently. Now by lying, I really mean omitting part of the truth, but people are like, wow, you guys look great. What are you doing differently? Oh, we added in extra walks each night. Oh, you guys look incredible. What are you doing? Well, you know, we started uh, cooking on the grill instead of ordering out. Oh, like we had every reason except for the real reason. And that was we shifted these products in our life. Yeah. So it gives you the picture of just how anti-network marketing business I was. And it wasn't until one day, and hopefully the story helps everybody who's struggling with this. One of Lori's good friends, her name is Jackie. Ironically, she's my brother's long-term girlfriend right now, but it wasn't at the time. Jackie stopped Lori and she said, I know you're doing something different. I heard you're doing something different. You got to tell me what it is because I'm struggling here. And Lori's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to tell you, but is this you know, thing called blank? And I've been using it for a year and it's totally changed my life. It's the best thing I've ever used. And Jackie looks at her and she goes, you bitch. She goes, what kind of friend would love something for a year and watch me struggle with my weight? Like, what kind of friend are you? And Lori realized in that moment, like, oh my God, in protecting our own ego, we literally are letting people we care about suffer by not sharing this. And that kind yeah. of man, what cracked us open about we probably have a moral obligation to share the things that are working for us in life, no matter what it is. Yeah. And uh, that began the, the seed that turned into the crop that turned into the, the great big team. I love that. I love that. And even how your whole idea around it before was like what so many people pick up on. And I think it's so collective. Like I was telling my dad about this product. I was like, Oh, I just ordered this product. I'll see how it goes when I get it. And he goes, isn't that one of those pyramid schemes? I'm like, dad, like, you know what that, like, stop, you know, just like, I'm not going there, but it's just like this collective belief of someone heard something on the news or they saw something, but I was like, I know people that I know in real life that are making millions of dollars and they're great people. And why not? Like, I'm looking for my thing, you know? Exactly. And it's, all it is, is a very efficient ways of distribution. No matter what your product is, you have to have distribution, right? So this is no different than somebody that has an Amazon affiliate link and recommends their favorite book and a hundred people buy their book from Instagram and they're getting a tiny little cut off of that Amazon affiliate link. This is no different than that type of word of mouth marketing. And it's really the way almost everything these days is shared, right? It's shared through word of mouth, especially on social media. And so it's probably the best time ever to shift your paradigm and, and, and get into any kind of network marketing as long as, and here's the caveat, two things. One, as long as you are authentically in love with the product, I, I firmly believe it has to have like changed your life in some way for you to authentically talk about it. That's number one. Number two, as long as when you decide to actually make a business out of it, you treat it like a business and not like you're hoping for a miracle. Because if you just yeah. like tell a couple people and then wonder why it's not growing, that wouldn't work for any business. But if you treat it like a business and you schedule business hours and you treat it consistently, either daily or weekly, and you put your own marketing into it and you put your own effort into it and you deal with the ups and you deal with the downs, then you're going to get rewarded like a business. So make sure that, that your expectations are 
matching your goals. Make sure that your actions are, are matching your expectations, I should say. Yeah, I love that because really, if you guys are looking at the people that are like your, you know, you see someone that's doing successful, they're in year five, you can't start your business in week five and think that you should, your business isn't pretty like producing like year five and get upset. It's like everyone that you know, that's been doing something, even me, if my business, my regular business, I don't want to trade it in. Nicole Sylvester is like my thing, right? But it's like, I love to share something. And one thing about network marketing that I love is you get to do it in more of a community versus like Nicole Sylvester is just Nicole Sylvester and whoever I hire. (laughs) It is. I always say it's the best set of training wheels to become a real entrepreneur. So for anyone out there that's like, you know, I really want to become an entrepreneur, but I don't want to risk too much. Almost this goes back to what you're saying earlier, Nicole, like for very little skin in the game, the upside is limitless. That's number one. Number two, for very little skin in the game, right? It's products that you're either using or consuming or eating or whatever it might be for you. Um, for very little skin in the game, you get a chance to learn sales, marketing, leadership, conflict resolution, because there'll be conflicts when you have a big team, um, rejection, money management, team building. If I didn't say that already, you get to learn all of those things with nothing at risk. And then you can take those lessons and apply them to other entrepreneurial endeavors that you want to do. I love that. So right now with you have your team, but I know that you have so much else that's happening. I know your masterminds were full. I saw you like promoting. So there were like two pers- two people left to, to know people left. Like where can people, if they're just curious and they want to get more of what you have going on or do you, I know you do VIP days. Like tell us more about what you have in ways yeah, to play. For sure. So we've got masterminds. They're full at the moment, but you can always check them out at for the love of forward slash mastermind. Uh, or you can check them out at fastfoundations.com. That's the more entry-level one. We have VIP days where our team becomes your team for two back-to-back half days right here in our house. And we dedicate all of our time and resources to taking your business to the next level. Um, yeah. we've, you know, we've got so many things going on right now. On Lori's side, it's insane. And Blue lately, project. favorite thing, yeah, that's this weekend coming up. And my favorite thing lately has been investing in other companies. That's just been I like saw a that. new my, my new jam the past year and a half lately. So I love that. I saw the chips and stuff, you know, just, um, just to share this about, and I know I sent you one of those messages one day, a voice memo of just like appreciation, acknowledgement. And I was just thinking this this morning, I was walking my dog and I thought about, it. I was like, I have you on my podcast today. Um, I got a message from Jen, Dr. Jen Chrisman, who was like, can you be on my podcast tomorrow? And I already have a call set up with Tracy tomorrow. So I was like, I just get so, I'm still getting so much value from the relationships that I built in that mastermind that just nourished me in a way that I didn't have those people in my life doing those kinds of things. Um, So I just want to acknowledge you for that, the people that you brought together. And for anyone that's thinking of getting into a mastermind, I know the word mastermind is thrown around kind of loosely. And there's people that do free masterminds and low cost masterminds. But I was just saying this today on my Facebook live. I don't believe in that. If you really want to grow your business, get in one where people are really showing up, but just tell us a little bit about your masterminds for someone that is a little bit curious, you know, let us know. Help people choose any mastermind. So when you're looking, when you're considering joining a mastermind, number one, make sure that it's being run by somebody 
who is going to attract the type of individuals that you yourself would want to attract, right? Because there's lots of different personality types out there. So get into one that really aligns with your style, your soul, et cetera. Number two, always try and bite, scratch, and kick your way into the one that you maybe barely don't qualify for yet because that's where the fastest growth is going to come from, right? Instead of getting one where everyone's kind of already at your level. Uh, And then number three, make sure that you're getting into one that has a real theory behind it in terms of how it's run, in terms of how they create collaboration, intimacy, how they create follow-up, how they create breakthroughs instead of one where they're just, you know, tromping a bunch of their friends through to speak for an hour and they call it a mastermind kind of a thing. So it's got to be something where you feel 100% in alignment with the way that they're leading their life and the way that they, uh, with, the, with the way their teaching style is because there's not one correct teaching style for everybody. So just make sure it's in alignment. Yeah. Sweet. I love that. Well, guys, if you haven't already, definitely take a screenshot of this podcast, share it with someone that you know is living small when it comes to money or like shutting themselves down when it comes to their desires, acting like what they have is good enough, not really willing to step into just saying yes to the things that are really juicy and exciting for them when it comes to living their best life and just share it with someone that you know needs it. I know this message is going to inspire so many people. Chris, thank you for inspiring me, giving me some good advice, being there for me in times last year was such a vulnerable time for me. And um, the mastermind was definitely something that helped me just in those relationships, like I said, are still giving back to me. And now you're here on my podcast. (laughs) So thank you. This is probably just the start of many more super kick-ass things we're going to, you know, do together and stages we're going to share together and all that stuff. So I I love watching your journey. I bet. So thank you so much, Chris. My pleasure. And there you have it, my friends. I want to know, what's your favorite takeaway from today's show? I love when you share your highlights from the show. Be sure to tag me when you share so I can give you a proper shout out. If you haven't already, subscribe. And while you're there, rate and review because your feedback, it really means the world to me. Until next time, remember to harmonize your hustle.